Welcome to the Tech Ranch. Now, here is your host, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. Did you know today is National Pie Day? It, Kevin Burkhardt in with us this morning as well. And National Potato Chip Day. I mean, yes, and we got both chip. food groups represented. Well, I, yeah, well, see, I did that too. I, I, I fell into that <laughs> trap also. And then I remembered, wait a minute, we just had a National Pie Day. And then I looked closer and went, oh, Pie Day, as in math. Three, pie. one, four. You know, yeah. this is actually the, you know the bigger, rest of bigger national day of the two, though. Well, I know it is, but I like pie. Well, yeah. So you have the you have that reason to go and have pie. People across the country will be eating pie day to celebrate pie day. And that that's what I fell back into. So, it's like you know what? I'm going to have another pie day. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go to have pie. Just put three dot one four on the pie and whipped cream or something like that. And then oh, you, yeah. Okay, great marketing piece. Yeah. Any restaurants out there listening? You should sell a slice of pie for three dollars and fourteen cents. That's today. a good idea. Yes. See, you can double dip on pie day. See, I think there's all kinds of ways to utilize yeah. this. Yeah. Hey, yeah. as long as they had a piece of pie, I'm happy. <laughs> Banana cream, coconut cream. That reminds me, I was at Perkins just the other day ordering a, a whole pie, and the lady said, do you want it sliced? I said, sure. She says, do you want to cut it into four slices or six? I said, you better make it four. I don't think I could eat six. <laughs> <laughs> Man after my own heart. There we go. Okay, right I want to talk a little bit about the time change. Of course, uh, it's weird this year. Normally, I don't uh, have to deal with this, but because um, I'm a morning person anyway. But the uh, time change this year kind of, kind of, I don't know if it snuck up on me, caught me a little off guard. Um, just a little out of sorts with the time yeah, change this first year. First of all, because there's eight feet of snow on the ground, it doesn't feel like. It should be time to set the clocks forward. I don't think. I Maybe think that, that's part of it. I think it is because Sunday night I was ready to go to bed. And went. Wait a minute. It's still way yeah. too light out. And, yeah. And then Monday morning I was like, oh, do I have to get out of bed now? I mean, it really is. You know, uh, according to I forget what they call it for the weather service for the seasons. You know, we have the. The seasons that fall on the dates, right? So we're almost to we're almost to spring, but there's like the calendar spring or whatever they call it, which is yeah, actually that the first comes up of the on month. the twentieth is right, the actual they, spring spring. But they have uh, you know March first is actually supposed to be the whatever spring is, whatever it is. But anyway, uh, it's like Pi Day, there's more than that's one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there's more of everything now. <laughs> I, I, I forget the term that they use for that, but anyway, they uh, um, it just it's a vernal equinox thing, but it just feels weird this year to have the time change and there it still i mean yesterday morning it was 13 below zero for goodness although sakes. kevin you brought up a great point during the break yeah i mean being a guy from minot we were getting a huge snowstorm on uh saturday late saturday night early into sunday so i looked at it as we got one less hour of a snowstorm so <laughs> perfect i mean it's just cut that, that much short. less snow to have less snow snow shovel. Blow or shovel exactly or, perfect so, so I, I get stuck in vegas because of the snowstorm up here <laughs> and uh, uh, and I took advantage of that and actually had some other business meetings and things. And, and I get back to the hotel. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And I and the plane leaves at 6 in the morning, right? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I'm only going to get three hours of sleep. No, you you're know? not because I would completely oversleep. I, at that point, yes. I just stay up. Yeah. And I, 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 was, I don't sleep well the night before I travel anyway. I was thinking about doing that, too. And I especially it's started Vegas. thinking about that as I walked to the elevator to go to my room. 
there's a huge sign that says, please don't forget to set your clocks ahead one hour. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's daylight savings night? <laughs> so it's not one o'clock. It's actually two, two o'clock. o'clock and, and I have two hours, two hours now. Yeah. Yeah. You're just stay up. Yeah. And actually, if you stay on the casino floor, they pump oxygen. You're yeah. You stay awake yeah. anyway. I did. I did try to get a couple hours sleep, but, but it's funny when I got to the airport, the airport's busy in the morning. And uh, um, it was like night of the living dead at the airport. I mean, people were like, everybody was about walking like they were sleeping. It was hilarious to watch, actually. So just saying. I'm still curious to find out how Steve made it all the way through Sunday into Sunday night before he realized with the daylight, <laughs> oh, we had a time change almost 24 hours earlier. What Part of what screwed me up, too, was and I, I, I shut that feature off on my cell phone because I, do, I don't like I like to do it myself. So um, it because it, my I'll, I'll travel and I don't like my cell phone changing time. So uh, that shut up. But my wife changed three or four clocks in the house. And then I'm like, wait a minute. It, it was all confusing. It's like either let me change them all or you change them all. But you don't change a couple and then change a couple more and then yeah. I'll do the rest. And I'm like, which one's got changed? And it was really confusing. Fortunately, plus, most of the clocks nowadays just change on their own. But yeah, yeah. But for me, like all the clocks in our house, I set 10 minutes fast, except for her clock on her nightstand yes because that's I, I i need all the clocks 10 minutes fast so i'm not late for anything because i multitask so i get too much stuff to do and that gives me a little extra cushion which i'm thinking about going up to 15 but uh, like in my vehicle my watch everything's 10 minutes fast and i i do that math and i'm good that way so now i've got her who set some of the clocks ahead but did she factor in the 10 minutes it, i'm all screwed up it, it was it was horrifying, Marla. This uh, one of the gentlemen that I meet with in coffee, for coffee when I'm in town. Uh, what time do you meet with him? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. What time do you meet with him? I, I love these stories, right? So he's like, I'm gonna on it on his stove. Obviously, it doesn't change by itself, but he must have a newer stove. So he's trying to figure out how to put the clock ahead an hour, and somehow or another. <laughs> locks the door on the oven <laughs> and cannot figure out how he did this. I We're didn't even in cleaning know there was, mode. Yep. Well, he's, he's like, this is crazy. And after a couple hours, he said, screw it. <laughs> I am not going to. He said, the Pull clock the is staying out, the same time it. now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of funny. Well, that, and, and, uh, I had a condo and a big glass top cooktop, and you can lock those. And I, I kept locking. I'm like, what am I doing here? Because I, and it was through the clock is the lock feature. I so see. I, it, it took me for, I'm like, okay, it's funny. no, yeah, I kept locking the stovetop so I couldn't cook on them. I guess we're microwaving everything or grilling. Yeah. <laughs> I can't use the cooktop. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I'm sure everybody's got time stories and we're going to, we're talking about this because we're going to dive into this a little bit more today. Right. We're going to talk a little bit about, is it going away and is it time? Because I also have another theory after going through this weekend, which normally, I don't have an issue with time changes. Uh, so what's your favorite kind of chips? I have to admit, trying Cajun squirrel might, might be, be kind of interesting. Well, they got all those flavors. And, and we had a cabinet up in Ontario in Lake of the Woods when I was growing up. So, you know, the Canadians were way ahead of everybody else when it came to flavored potato chips. Right. So I knew about salt and vinegar yes. long before they ever showed up in the United States. And, and all these, the, there was uh, salt and pepper Salt and vinegar. There was they had a ketchup one. 
It wasn't as good as barbecue. So well. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was all these different Canadian yeah. flavors that were out there before. Well, you're from Minot. You probably uh, had some early samplings of flavored potato chips, Kevin. Yeah, I mean they have uh, they have all the flavors in Canada, but the best chips by far, potato chips, are Kirkland's Kettle oh, Ridges. Yeah. I mean those things. We'll be getting a couple of bags in the back of our minivan before we head back to Minot today. See, I like, I like regular Lay's. It just Lay's potato chips, the original, and it's, it kind of depends on what you're eating with too. Because you know, growing up in Grand Forks, the kegs, um, they're sloppy joes. If you threw a couple Lay's potato chips on those, oh, oh yeah. In fact, a sloppy joe dip with yeah. potato chips is the yes. go, right? Yes. Yeah. So, but depending on what you're eating, is the type of chip. So, because right. I'm not a ruffle chip guy either. And, Unless it's a certain food, right? So I, I think chips have kind of grown into a space. I actually saw a meme the other day um, that uh, you're so old if you remember this, and it was potato chips instead of lettuce on a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, wait a minute! I remember that. Okay, so, I'm, I'm so old. I am, I am curious though about who comes up with the flavors because the fact that there actually is a Cajun squirrel flavored potato chip. I don't mean to go back to that all the time. I'm going to guess there. That just has to be. That just seems like the most crazy flavor ever. A Cajun? Yeah. Well, that's true. I'm guessing it's somewhere in New Orleans or something, but I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? Did you try Cajun squirrel? It's what they caught in the bug zapper. So, you know, (laughs) let's make some chips out of it. Bug zapper. (laughs) What flavor chip do you want today? How about the bug zapper kind? <laughs> well, remember that scene from uh, the Water Boy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, what's for dessert? Yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel. Well, we have a mutual friend who just uh, uh, relocated to New Orleans, so we'll have to reach out to Amber yeah. and see if she has any uh, insight on the Cajun Maybe get a case flavor. set up here. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yes. There we go. That should be Amber's first thing. For her friends back in North Dakota to send us a case of Cajun squirrel potato we'll, we'll chips. We'll swap some flavored chips there with we each go. other. Yeah. Speaking of squirrels, um, <laughs> we were talking about time changes. And uh, you and I have talked in the past about uh, some of the states maybe going away from it or maybe this national movement of getting rid of the time change. You know, I had this great theory. If we do have to keep it, because I would love to see it go away, set it to what we're at now and then just leave it there. Just, just, I, I like the extra light at night and I, I'm okay. I, it, it's when people get up in the dark and go home in the dark and they, they're at work all day and they don't see light. Um, that's the problem because you can't do anything. So I, I like it the way it is right now. Just leave it there. But if we do have to have it, why can't we move it to Friday night, Saturday morning instead of Saturday night, Sunday morning? Because that gives people an extra day to acclimate before they have to go back to work. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Yep. Yep. Let's just hope it just goes away. <laughs> I, I would like to see it go away. So this is where we're at with it right now. Um, so last year, March 2022, the Senate actually introduced a bill uh, to get rid of or to permanently be on daylight savings time. It actually passed unanimously. When's the last time something passed unanimously in the Senate? Doesn't so, happen. But the bill failed to get a vote last year in the House of Representatives. Why? No vote because well, they could not agree whether to keep the standard time or permanent daylight savings time. So that was the debate. So we're on daylight do... savings time now, right? Right. right. Yeah. Which one do we go to? So I, I say permanent daylight savings time because you get more time in the evening. Right. So just last week, 
the Sunshine Protection Act was reintroduced in the House. So they're now pushing to hopefully ban or whatever. I shouldn't say ban, but the ban the clock change, I guess, is the way to say it, right? So this, if this actually gets enacted this time, so if the House does act on this, my guess is that the Senate would act on it as well because they passed it unanimously last year. And uh, if that happens, then this could be the last time we've ever set that we will set the clocks forward. But you know, nothing. Call your ever, local legislator. Nothing is ever for sure because in 1974, Richard Nixon did this. And it lasted 10 months. Just 10? Yep. So the the new, and it was enacted in response to the 1973 oil crisis for whatever reason. Your light daylight savings time was initially supported by 79% of the public, but shortly after that first winter, it dropped to 42% support. And there was, the reason for it is that there was a series of accidents in the morning that killed some children going to school. And for whatever reason, the the country, you know, they heard about this, and then they decided that maybe it's a safety factor and decided to go back to the standard that we have today. Uh, and at that time, it was six months, six months. So you had six months of daylight right. savings, six months of standard time. Now, of course, we're at eight months of daylight savings time and only four months of standard time. So well, and that's part of the argument. It it, it it's just a number picked out of the right. the air. Right. It, it, that's part of the argument uh, against it or for it or and whatever I, it is. And I think you could, you know, it, it's you know the the stories of of kids being killed going to school or whatever in the morning uh, because it was dark. I mean, it's a sad story, of course, but it's still uh, dark. But I think it also. I mean. You could make the same case on the other side. Right. It's dark when you come home. There are fewer pedestrians being hit at night. Yeah, when they're when all walking or whatever. Hour. Right. I mean, yep. it, it it just it was just something that just got caught up in in the social conscious of of you know well, at the time and and and, and you and I had this conversation before because I, I you know I think a lot of people like me thought that well it was because of agrarian you wanted more time to work and on the farm and things like which. Wasn't the case. Was that, not the case. That's not the case. That's Farmers not the still rut. get up when the sun comes up. Yes. And they go to bed when the yep. sun goes down. Yep. Or doesn't matter what time yeah. it is. The yeah. biggest deal with it, if you go look back at history, is that the idea behind having time zones was that they were trying to get as close to high noon as they could, where the clock would be at noon when oh. the sun is highest at its you know, point the, in the, in the, the sky. time zones, not the time change. Right, right. So that was that was the goal originally, and and that's one of the reasons. I mean, besides you know equalizing time across the world, um, but this is this is all actually relatively new. As crazy as this is, it wasn't until 1876 that we even had some time zones. And even after that, it was just, it wasn't even mandatory. Well, you and I were talking about Ohio had something like 26 times. 26. So, and and even today, uh, states like Indiana, uh, some some cities participate in daylight savings and some cities do not. Within a state. Within the state. And then on top of it, you have two time zones. And so if you, if you're in an area that's not participating in daylight savings time and you're in one time zone, it's possible that within the state of Indiana, 
that there's three hours between one side of the state and the other side of the state, just depending on what part of it you live in right now. Now, there are fewer and fewer uh, that are not participating, but uh, it's just interesting to me that even today we have this issue going on. And, and of course, let's not forget about the half-hour change. There are some parts of the world that are not on the hour. Well, see, I knew that because we had a cabin in Canada when I was growing yes, up. Yes, And Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, the, the Maritimes, half That's uh, correct. St. John's. Yes, yeah, it's a half, half hour. hour. And the reason for like, that, what again, the heck? the reason for that is the position of the sun. Right. That's why they do that. But it's, how do you, how can you be a half hour off? That How do you set meetings for that? It's bad enough right now. When we are trying to set meetings across the world, and you know you're dealing with seven hours difference here, fourteen hours difference there, yeah. But that math doesn't. But compute. but if if you're on this island, what's the name of the island? Which one? The one that's a half oh, hour. Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island. Okay. Yeah, the Maritime Province yes. for Canada. Okay. So Florida, New Brunswick, New Prince Edward Island, St. John's. So how do you set that meeting up? It's <laughs> it's one p.m. Eastern time, but it's one thirty at our time. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the time zone's a different animal, though, because people get very, very... Look at when they changed the where the time zone was in North Dakota, yes. when it used to be across the Missouri River, and you go over to Mandan, and it was a time difference. Did it all the time. But people look at the fight that, you know, and there's been some bills that have come up in the legislature about going to one time zone in North Dakota, and the people out west, that they like their mountain they time. They yeah. And... People get very fired up over mountain time versus yes. eastern time. So time zone's a little bit different animal. You're changing that website, aren't you? You're in the process. Yes. Of, yeah. Being remodeled because yeah. we have. So does that mean you're going to get like all new shirts so I can. You want a new shirt? Well, no, no. So you get new shirts so I can read the website off of because that's what I do. I always glance over it because everything you've got says nationallycalendar.com. Yes, which I, I've gotten to the point where I don't have to read it. I'm but impressed it, by that. It's by the still, way. it's habit. Yeah, so it's habit forming, and I. So you're going to have to change shirts now. To Not that you don't now, because he's got more than one shirt. But I'm the only uh, one. Yeah. Kevin's the only one in the room here that doesn't change shirts on a daily basis. Hey, hey, hey! I didn't know I was going to be on a radio show. I want. I thought, well, who's going to see me? Well, you yeah, know? he didn't even comb his hair this he, morning. He looks like he looks exactly the same as I left him yesterday. Kevin doesn't have hair, so, so it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're shifting topics a little bit. We here. are, yeah. Uh, this morning, uh, of course, another big thing in the news besides the time change and me struggling this year uh, was uh, Silicon Valley Bank, a big tech bank, uh, uh, one of two banks that, I don't know if you can technically call them failed, but there were failings within the system. Now, why that Silicon Valley Bank was important was that's where a lot of tech funding and a lot of venture capital for tech funding was parked. There was a lot of money there for the tech sector. And that's why this one is of a little bit of interest this morning. Well, and I think uh, one of the things with this, I'm just reading through some of the latest news right now, um, is the disruption it had to companies like Etsy. So I know a few people. In fact, I know companies who market products on Etsy, and Etsy was unable to make payments to the to those people, right? You know, so if you're a crafter or whatever that sells your stuff on Etsy, 
all of a sudden, you know, you, you might think that this bank that failed in California only impacts Silicon Valley, but that's not the case. No, because it was a big tech sector bank. I so mean, that people means who right. reach out to a lot of different avenues. Exactly. Exactly. So, you, you know, if you're getting, if you're a crafter in Minot, North Dakota, that makes their living on Etsy. And I know a couple of people in Minot, North Dakota that actually do, Kevin, you know, uh, people who use their Glowforge to create stuff and then they sell it online. And this is how they make their living. Uh, we're unable to make get their payments from them, you know. So Etsy's working that out, of course, uh, but it impacts a lot of people a lot of different ways. And I guess this is the first major bank that's failed since the 2008 financial crisis. So yeah. that's 15, 16 years ago. And then I forget the name of the other one, but that also signature. The signature, the signature. Signature, that yeah. was, uh, which ironically, Barney Frank from the Dodd-Frank Act, it was on the board for that bank, which he was the one that, Dodd-Frank Act put in all these protocols in place to make sure that banks were safe. And But that Signature Bank, also a, a big tech bank, uh, and that's where a lot of the technology dollars were parked, a lot of venture dollars, and, and a lot of um, online and Internet companies did their businesses through those banks. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of irony, Steve, my, my favorite image over the last few days about the Silicon Valley Bank is watching – the line of people outside of of Silicon Valley Bank who probably would never go to the bank because, you know, you do it right, online. Right. But now they're all lined up to get their money. Right. And I'm I'm sure there's very few tellers who are employed at a bank like that because it's who all, needs everything's tellers? Online. Right. Yeah. Everything's so online, now who yeah. wants to be that one or two tellers who are, hey, we need you guys in here today. We got some customers who want to ask. Can't work there. from home today. Well, I do Can't my business banking at Wells Fargo. Yeah. Like, they don't have tellers really anymore right. either. So, yeah, But there's a line of people outside waiting. Yeah. Yeah. For a door that probably isn't going to be open. Right, right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it is kind of ironic in that way, right? But but not a bank that uh, typically you or I or people would normally have money parked at. Uh, so, you know, they talk about the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance, and you're protected up to 250000 A lot of the people in that bank, those two banks... Not people that are having two hundred fifty thousand dollars parked in a bank. These are big venture type yep. banking operations. Yep. So, but it makes you wonder. You know, I, I just I think about. There's been a lot of layoffs in tech over the right. last three or four months too, right? I mean, Meta just came out just a couple of days ago and said, which is Facebook and Instagram and and uh, Oculus, uh, they are laying off another ten thousand people. You know, so. It just seems that things that are related to tech recently seem to continue to slow down, to fail, to whatever. And I'm not really sure, um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a sign of economic times that when, you know, things get a little tighter that maybe technology is not, you know, you're not, you're not buying the latest television or the latest computer. You're going to make do on those things because food and fuel and things become a bigger priority. So I just wonder if it's just kind of a sign of the times and this bank failing could be part of that. Now, where it could affect some people is if you're one of those big industries that are laying off people in the tech sector and you do do your banking through that bank, then, you know, some people may have um, their deposits there yes. because it's the company's bank. Right. So they may do some banking there. So those people could be affected yeah, I think over the some- 250. 
this this impacts uh, I think a lot of people and and uh, it'll be interesting interesting to see how this plays out over the next few days that's for sure my mission today is find a three dollar and fourteen cent piece of pie that's a great mission that's my mission and if I have to go to 20 restaurants and have a piece of pie at every one, I'm going to find it. That's my mission today. All right. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some aviation yeah. um, and electric airplanes. It's, it's something that's been kind of popping up here and there, and I always look at it as scope and scale because for a commercial aircraft uh, to be able to fit in that space, that's a little... We're not there yet, but are we? Uh, and I go back to, you know, it wasn't that long ago, Boeing had this experiment with electric generators on some planes and failed miserably. It was battery capacity. They just, and well, the batteries kept catching on fire, but um, it, another little problem, but they, they couldn't make it work. So where are we today? Because it wasn't that long ago. So there's actually a company called Beta Technologies, and uh, they're based in Vermont. They have, uh, the name of the aircraft is the CX-300. It's a conventional takeoff and landing version uh, of its all, all the, uh, 250 electric vertical takeoff and landing. So they have a, uh, a vertical takeoff landing aircraft that they've produced that is electric as well. Uh, but this is a conventional aircraft. It looks like it holds, I'm going to guess, 20 people. So I was trying to find the specs on it, but I'm unable to do so right now. But it is not just for a couple people. So it is, and and they are actually taking orders for this vehicle. And in fact, I think somebody just bought, yeah, um, somebody just ordered 50 of these things, actually. So they're trying to get this through the FAA right now uh, under its current regulations. So meaning that they're just applying for the permit to put these vehicles into the airspace here in the United States without having to have the FAA change anything as far as how they're fueled and and all this other good stuff. So that's kind of where it's at in a nutshell, I guess. So the question I've got is where's and probably capacity, um, Going back to the FAA and some of that regulation, where's the the line drawn between a flying car, which you've been in, and a an electric aircraft? Where where, so, where does that line get drawn? So that's interesting. That's an interesting perspective, actually. So I would say, or is it just morphing into one eventually? Yeah, probably. But I think right now it's airspace. You know, so what you're talking about how far off is the how far off the ground you go, right? So a drone, for example, you can go 400 feet without having to do anything more than just fly the drone, as long as you're not within five miles of an airport and things like Unless this. Unless you're the right? military. So, right, higher, right. Yeah. In North Dakota, there's a 600-foot ceiling across most of North Dakota because we are... We have a special... Training set, yeah. Yeah, because of our status with, yes. with drones, right? Uh, but other than that, so as long as your flying car stays within that 400 foot ceiling, then you're okay, you know, and, and you're not going to be, you know, cruising at, at a speed at, you know, at 30,000, at 30,000 feet, you know, cause you, you're not going to get up to 400 and some miles an hour or whatever 
probably at four hundred. Oh, I'm going to try. I know you will. I, I'm going to try. I know you will. You just don't, <laughs> you just don't have enough room, and all that 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 with without you know getting up there a little higher. So did you say vroom? Lo- yeah, vroom, yeah, vroom, yeah. vroom. However, I mean the electric vehicles that are the flying cars I've been in go 160 miles an hour in that space. So, so I'm doing the math. How long would that take you to get back to Minot? What's forty minutes? Probably about probably yeah. about a half hour. Yeah, yeah. Would that be yeah. something? Would you Would you like that? There's a few curves that I'd be concerned about, but otherwise, <laughs> that'd be great in a flying car. People from Minot come to Bismarck two, three, four times a month. People from Bismarck go to Minot like twice in their lifetime. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, oh, no. and once is for a junior high track meet. If it would go that fast, fair. yeah, in the yeah. state fair, yeah, we go there for the state fair. If you could get to Minot that fast, I think people from Bismarck would come up during Host Fest. You know, that's true. Come check it out. That's oh, I true. go to Host Fest. I love Host Fest. You know, if there was a charging station, so most of these uh, <laughs> that, uh, flying cars. You don't have a story about charging station. Do no, you? I Marla? don't have a story. Okay, oh, Steve, Steve, if if he starts me down that road again, it'll be another hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today is Pie Day. Pie Day. Potato chip a three dollar and fourteen cent piece of pie. Get some potato chips on it, though. Potato chip pie. That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, it does, depending <laughs> on the flavor. As long as it's not Cajun flavored squirrel potato chips <laughs> right. on your pie. Well, it depends. That would be a meat pie then, right? I, I've eaten raccoon. It's Why not? Okay. I don't yeah. know. Okay. I, 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 in fact, I've got a whole cookbook on, on it. Was, it was a little sweet. Really? Yeah. Not what I would have expected. I no, guess. a friend of mine was raccoon guy and yeah. Tried it. The jerky was good. Okay. So, yeah, who knew? Hey, you know what we say in Minot? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, no, good job there, Kevin. <laughs> so, we we're talking about uh, aviation, yeah. electric planes and electric aviation. And All right, so I got to thinking about this one day because of, well, in part, the issues with Boeing, and, and uh, I knew we were going to talk about this at one point, and... If you take a look at the ability to get off the ground with a plane, that's the biggest expenditure of power. The flight and the landing, not that complicated. So if you're looking at the ability, because very once you're up and, and at cruising altitude, there's really not a lot of, of energy expended to propel that aircraft uh, depending on what the prevailing winds and all that are, because you take a look at some of the electric um, solar power planes that have been made thousands of miles of flight. So now you're just looking at that weight ratio. But going back to the takeoff, which is the big power, okay, at what point for an electric-powered aircraft to take off, at what point would, could you see an airport with a catapult system, kind of like an aircraft carrier? Because that's how they get those aircraft off the ground in a very short space and then kicking the afterburners, you're off to the races. Um, but something like that could make electric-powered aviation a little bit more feasible. Yes. All of that for a yes. <laughs> One word response. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought about this long and hard. And hey, it, I'm like, well, aircraft carrier, do, do, do a catapult system. It, it, so my question to you is, it, would that be the viable solution for, you know, accelerating what electric 
aviation looked like because it's that expenditure of energy, that quick drain on a battery that is the takeoff. That That's the part. Getting it up in the air is, is the hard part. Right. I was just, as you were saying that, I was just looking up how much fuel like a 747 burns during takeoff. And I'm, I know it's a lot. Yes. Okay, a 777. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there. Here's my one word response yes. to yours. <clears throat> this, this, this is incredible. How much, how much fuel do you think a 777 burns on takeoff? That's the big dump. That, that, it's huge amounts of fuel expended or energy expended yes. to get off the ground to, to fight the forces what of you, gravity. What do you think the number is? Uh, I, I wouldn't even, um, well, it's in pounds, so I would say. No, I, I, no I'm actually saying in gallons. Okay, though, so, so I would say six thousand gallons of fuel. Actually, that's a pretty good guess. Uh, between four and ten thousand gallons on a takeoff. Yeah, depending on the aircraft. And, and, and when you so when you think about what is uh what's a gallon of jet fuel cost right now? Seven ish. Oh my goodness! So even at four thousand gallons times seven dollars. Is twenty eight thousand dollars to take that plane and put it in the air? Okay, so the question is, why wouldn't you have a catapult system at a regular <laughs> airport just for that? Because that's well. I look, mean, you, look you at think, extending uh, flight time and and being in the air or taking longer they, trips with different they, aircraft. I think that particular aircraft holds sixty three thousand gallons, right? Yeah. But you think about uh, what is it? What does the seven 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 hold uh, for people? Two hundred fifty people or so. Yeah. Um, I mean you. You literally, if it's if it's um, twenty eight thousand gallons, so everybody in that plane spent ten bucks just to just to take off. Yeah. Again, why wouldn't you have a catapult system yeah. at an airport? And then, and then it runs on five gallons a minute. Yeah, when it's in the air. So it, much more efficient when it's up in the air. But yeah. it, but the the energy expansion or the 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 energy that it it takes to get off the ground is where. That's the, the big... I have a better solution. Okay. I think every airport should be put on a butte or something like that. To shove the plane off and the hill? And then you just go off the side of the hill. <laughs> you just get enough to get enough <laughs> off the hill. Go down. You get your acceleration because of gravity. And then you can... Don't like that idea? They have that <laughs> ride at Valley Fair. It's... Whee! Yeah, everybody strap in. When I love go everybody wrong. gets quiet here. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like the agenda of talking points for this radio show comes together. Well, let's jump off the cliff and we'll build the wings <laughs> yeah, on the way yeah, down. Yeah. You know, let's we'll figure it out. Excuse but, me, but do we have an engineer on this flight? <laughs> but I agree with you. I think you know a catapult system would be interesting. I, it's surprising that there aren't any Something. anywhere. I mean. Just, just to you know, if, you, if if there was a system that could get you to 100 miles an hour or something relatively quickly, quickly. Well, the word know. of the day is efficiency. Yes, for, for a different reason, because that's what Zuckerberg is calling the 10,000s of right. layoff. It's, that's it's, right. It's 2023 the, is the year of efficiency. efficiency. So you would think, from a cost perspective, yeah, a catapult system at an airport would be expensive. But if you've got a big airport and you're launching these large aircraft, the fuel savings alone would pay for itself uh, in a very short period of time. Yep. So I'm wondering why there hadn't been some thought into that system because, you know, doing the same old thing the way we've always done it, you know, efficiency, word yeah. of the year. Yep. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Mark, yeah. for that word. <laughs> so so anyway. You don't um, lay people off anymore. We're just getting efficient. 
So we're talking about, you know, the the flying cars. That's where we're moving with all this, right? Or did you just want to continue? No, no, on? no, no, no. Okay, no. With, with your catapult yes. system. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I put all this thought into it. It's all this work well, and effort. And... It's it's a good thought. I mean, I I always think about you know other things. I think about the, uh, um, you know, in in Bismarck, North Dakota, when they when they have to de-ice the plane, and it becomes this like crazy circus out there to de-ice planes and i'm like don't we live in a snow climate why does this have to be such a big deal you know i'm just using that as an example why wouldn't we have like some type of system that a plane can just like a car wash taxi through and 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 you just hit the button and you know you you come through and you know you tell tell aircraft air traffic control hey i'm ready for my car wash now or my plane wash and you just slowly drive through the thing and i've never seen any place that has anything like this and to me, that would make all kinds of sense. It would be incredibly efficient. And maybe that's why it's not yes. done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? Now, I could see. And why, why, and while you're going through your airplane wash, you could sit, you could uh, get set up with the catapult and then where you go. Yeah. Yeah. Set the catapult right and inside that building. your way into the, into space. Well, yeah, I was thinking another thing too. It's like, now we figured out how the cow got over the moon. It was catapult. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. That's how the cow jumped over the, and they got it all figured out. See, Kevin, Tuesdays can deteriorate rather and quickly. It's going there real fast. <laughs> I was, I was feeling personally attacked. We were talking about, you know, how much energy it takes to get that much weight. Up in the morning, you know, up, up. I was thinking of myself personally, uh, you know, just getting out of a, a leather recliner, you know. Well, that, that's why you push that button and the chair goes up and it gets you off the ground. How many but, gallons of fuel does that take you? Yeah, think? exactly. <laughs> yeah, I call, I call my leather recliner there. I call my leather recliner the uh, volunteer chairperson because it's easy to get into, hard to get out of. My leather recliner. The volunteer chairperson. Would somebody say yes? Yes. Yes. I get it's a yes. deteriorating fast as well, so, well there. Better idea. You yeah. just go to channel your inner Tim Taylor from Tool Time and you motorize that thing fully and put wheels on it. Or if you want to go up and down stairs, you, you right. put tracks on it. But yes, that is the theme to the Jetsons. And uh, the reason is we're talking about flying cars. That's right. Yes. Now you've actually been in flying cars. I've in the been past. in a couple. Yeah, just one or two or so three. Or Mark you've been, Zuckerberg you've been might be saying this is the year of efficiency. Yes, I'm saying this is the year of the flying car. Well, wait, wait a minute. Now you've been talking about this coming up in the future. You can buy them now. You can buy them now. Yes, they're here. Yes. Did you buy one yet? So did you order one yet? I might. So it's the Jetson One, isn't that amazing? Night. Wow. Yes. What else are you gonna name it? Yeah. Um, Millennium Falcon. They're, so, they're sold out for 2023. You can order for delivery in 2024, ready to fly in the United States of America. Now, if if it's like most vehicles, traditional vehicles, yes. usually you don't want to buy the first model year. <laughs> so, so I guess I'm probably good going with the 2024 model. Yeah. Right? So you let them work the bugs right, out of the right, first model right. year. And then, I guess flying cars the same way. I'm assuming. I suppose you could say okay. that. So, I'm not sure how. You, okay, so here's the picture of it. 
So it's not something that you're going to fly at 20 below in North Dakota. Because no, it's, it's, it's open it's, cockpit. It's open cockpit. So it's not like yes. you're going to, oh, hey, I have this flying car. And, yes. Uh, road closures be damned. I can get up above the, the whiteout ground drifting and, six, and actually see. For six so, months a year around here, this would be. I might bundle up and get in that. It looks like a blast, doesn't it? It does. It it, it kind of looks like those little tiny helicopters. Yes. Flying. That's exactly what it is. It actually, uh, it's designed basically to fly like 20 feet off the ground, but you can go up to 1,500 feet with this. It will also, if the motor goes out, it will still land uh, without hurting you. Just quicker. You. Yeah. Yeah, it goes <laughs> <much> quicker. <laughs> it's kind of, well, it's kind of like an ultralight. It is kind of like I, an I'm looking at the picture, though, and where's the buttons that it just folds up into a, my briefcase when right. I get to work like George right. Jetson's? So not quite there yet, not I there. guess. Okay. But isn't, maybe, maybe that's the upgrade for the 2024 model. It is an electric vehicle, uh, vertical, so it's an, it's an EVTOL, so electric vertical takeoff and landing. So it's not like a fixed wing aircraft. Like a personal helicopter. Where you need to have a runway or whatever, literally your backyard. It's a catapult? Or your driveway. <laughs> well, it doesn't need a catapult because <laughs> no, no, it just no, goes no, straight okay. up and down. 20 minutes of flight well, time. can shoot you straight up and down. And, uh, um, I think it's 100 kilometers an hour, so that would be what, about wow. 60 miles an hour? Yeah. So in that neighborhood. So it's not fast, fast, but again, at 60 miles an hour zipping around town, uh, that's not so terrible. I mean, you're. And what's the flight time? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So you could go to Washburn or to Wilton probably and then have to charge it back up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, you know, not like the E Hang 184 that I was in that, that actually goes 150 miles an hour. Uh, and still has that uh, twenty to twenty five minutes. So, um, and there will be there will be a time when this battery life will get you know more. But the the challenges, of course, is that battery is heavy, right? Crazy heavy. So hence the assisted takeoff. Yes, yeah. Uh, but you know, for zipping around town, I mean, this. Oh, by the way, well, think of this in a big city. So, uh, how far can you travel in fifteen minutes versus? gridlock traffic. Oh, yeah. And if you're looking at high-rises, you can go from this office building to that office building six blocks away and park on that roof and yes. get charges while you're I mean, you there for have, your meeting. You know, at, at 60 miles an hour and 20-minute flight time, you still that's 20 miles. That's 15 to 20 miles yeah. that you can go. Uh, that gets you across L.A., you know. So you can zip around these big towns uh, pretty efficiently. Oh, by the way, no pilot's license. Really? Isn't that amazing? Well, we were we started to talk about the FAA regulations yes. and what they were trying to do with uh, the the fixed wing electric capacity under today's regulations yep. with the FAA. So, does this fall under an ultralight? Or... Yes, it does. And uh, as long as you. I don't know if you have to get your like your drone certification. I'm guessing that you probably have to the 107, but it's really like flying a drone. I mean, that really is what this is. So, uh, you want to get one, don't you, Kevin? Well, I don't know about the not having a pilot's license. I'm just curious what it's weight rated to. You know, as a full figured guy, uh, I'm just curious <laughs> what. How, how right, much valid. of a guy can that one seat hold? I believe right. three hundred pounds. Three hundred. Okay, yeah, okay, so, so you're fine. fine. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So with three full figured guys in this room, uh, <laughs> but we're all good. I but think. we're all so yeah. we'd have to each take one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this I, is not a two seater. This yeah. is just a one person. So it doesn't work for date night. No, no. 
Although that would be fun. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, honey. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm uh, um, we're, I'm we're, pretty excited. Probably we're going to check the out fact. the sunset from New Salem Zoo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably about the fact that this is actually coming, you know, and then the uh, um, Japan's version. So Japan has a SkyDrive, which is one of the ones I have been in. And uh, the SkyDrive 2026. And then that actually looks more like a drone, but it's an enclosed cockpit. This is so enclosed two people. I'm going to go that route. 150 miles an hour. Much faster and the same same flight time, but it's it's a bigger vehicle. So you know what's ironic? So I look at that and I can see the functionality there. This one really does look like a helicopter with four props instead right. of it, one it, big it's, rotor. It's a big drone. Yeah, is what, it, what is. it is. It looks yep. like a big yep. drone. Yep. Um, but here's the irony I get if you go and and I've got a lot of friends that have done work in Japan and, and travel over to overseas. Yep. What do you not see in Japan? So if you're in Tokyo or where, what do you not see investment into? Electric vehicles. Oh, that's interesting. You do not see electric vehicles or the investment into the infrastructure for electric vehicles in Japan. They don't have the charging stations and you would think that it's it's not a space they've gone into. To even take a look at like a company like Toyota. They did not go down the road of electric vehicles. They went down the road and stayed to that even with the the tax incentives to go to electric. They stayed with the hybrid models. But now you see Japan getting into the flying vehicle space in the electric space. So that would be... They might be, and we, we've talked about this before, I guess, and, you know, I have four thoughts going in my head at one time here. Okay, but, Japan didn't go down the road, and Japanese companies didn't go down the road of electric vehicles. You take Toyota, for example, they went down the hybrid road, which now you see, you know, brought this up, like the new Dodge Ram or the, uh, which I really love, the, the GMC, the Hummer. Oh, eh, love that truck. Yeah. But... Can I get in a 6.2 liter? Well, then we can talk. Um, but with Dodge going down the road on their electric pickup truck, you can get a mileage extender, which is an internal combustion engine <laughs> built just, into for just, an added cost uh, for just, an upgrade price, which is kind of where we're at right now. But let's get rid of that and let's go a different route. Um, so, i.e. hybrid of sorts, um, Toyota just stayed the course with that. So uh, they're far and ahead of everybody else when it comes to the hybrid market. Right. Um, and, and rightly so. I think that's a good path that they stayed on. But we got talking about the four things that popped into your head about electric vehicles and versus electric vehicles because this started with flying cars. And uh, Japan's gone down that road a little bit stronger than some of the other uh, producers. And the question's why. So uh, number one was infrastructure. Right. And, uh, I mean, Japan is landlocked. So I think about, you know, what it takes to produce power, electricity. And if you're going to change your population to 
all electric vehicles. I mean, in the United States, we we have to at least double the production of electricity to power our cars. Yeah, now you're looking at a very small space, and they in Japan because they're landlocked and they're um, constrained with what their power right. needs are right. and power consumption and power production. Right. And we pulled that up during the break. So it, these are 2021 numbers. Uh, natural gas leads the way at 34.4 percent for electricity production. Uh, coal is number two at 31%. Nuclear, 6.9%. Renewables, 20.3%. But what was interesting about renewables... They peaked. They peaked. They peaked. Last decade. So it's a nice little piece, but it's not the piece you're going to rely solely it's on. going the other way now. Yes. And then petroleum and waste, 7.4%. So from a, an energy perspective, pretty balanced portfolio. It is. I mean, I would imagine as... Electric needs grow in Japan. Um, I'm not sure how much more they can produce. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. They may have to import electricity from somebody else. And in a, you know, in the world that we're in, um, you know, that to me is a huge security issue. Well, Imagine if we imported all of our electricity here and somebody could just turn the switch, switch off and we have no electricity. Well, and for us yeah. in this country, it, the two things that our constraints are the stability of the grid, which nobody's really talked about. No. But you're taking a look at a small country like Japan, they don't have that issue because right. if you have a weak spot, and you, you can fix it. A lot easier than our interconnected grid here. Yeah. Uh, and then it's the production side of things. Where are you going for production? And we see, especially up here, how many wind farms were, were turning with 55-mile-an-hour winds last week? None. Or when it gets to 30 below, none. Yeah. So that's a big constraint when it comes to the renewable side of things or how much electricity is being produced in a solar field or that solar panel on your house when you're in a blizzard. None. So there's constraints to the types of power production. So I would say that, you know, first of all, that that would be why Japan isn't moving in that direction. The second thing is, is that I know Japan is about efficiency because it is the year of efficiency. It is. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg right? said so. So, yes. What is the average nominal price of electricity in the United States right now? Oh, you can well, weigh in on this too. Can well, it varies greatly across the country because you know North for, Dakota is the second lowest at eight point one cents a kilowatt. Yeah, hour. because we've got cooperatives and and right. that interconnected Hydro system. Yes, stuff, yeah. we, we've got that. We're we're great here. Yes. Yep. So, which not the lowest though. No, Idaho's the lowest yes, we, at eight. We used to be, and Idaho has a lot more hydro. Yes, uh, which is very cheap electricity yeah, produced, but, but just one tenth of a penny more here. Right. So, uh, so the average is about fourteen cents. Okay, in Japan, it's a quarter. So, when you start thinking about efficiencies, and we talked about this when I fueled my car up in Vegas a couple weeks ago, I tried to fuel you. Yes, tried car to fuel up. it up. That cost me forty three cents a kilowatt hour to fuel that car up. Right. You and I did the math on that. It was actually less expensive if you have a combustion car at thirty miles a gallon, paying four and a half dollars because because that twenty it was twenty seven dollars to to fuel the car, the electric car, uh, for one hundred and seventy five miles. Did we factor in the other component to that What's equation? The other component? No, it wasn't pi. Um, no, the other component is what was your time? Oh worth? my goodness, that's what, not even. What's the value of your oh, time? Because I know spending two days trying to charge it an electric literally took me six vehicle. hours to charge that car because I couldn't find a station to charge it. 
wouldn't the ones I were trying to get to by next month will be four days at least. Oh my goodness! Get that at Marlowe's, yeah. at Marlowe's efficiency rate, he's <laughs> worth ten thousand dollars an hour. So that stop cost him sixty thousand dollars. But that's an important calculation, salary. especially if you're working in the business world. So uh, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more frustrated right. about that whole experience. But this, to me, is why Japan isn't moving down this road because uh, economically. You know, gas is and diesel is still the better choice for them because efficient because they can't produce a lot more electricity, so they're going to go that route. Efficiencies come into play when you're able to get into the air with electric vehicles because now you don't have, you know, you're just not going to burn as much electricity trying to get around town because it's easy to move across. Especially if you got a catapult on your building. Roof, That's right? correct. Yes, or just drop off the side. Yeah, just. <laughs> If you're, if you're in a skyscraper, you might be able to do that. Watch that first step, though. Going back to anyway. uh, autonomous vehicles yes. and, and flying vehicles yeah. and why Japan went down this road. Um, and, and you think it's because of the flying and autonomous side of things because infrastructure is expensive. So you take a look at what we're doing. Great example is right now you take a look at the bridges across the country. What if you didn't have to span a river or a stream? Right, or, or, right. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that even, even locally here. I mean, about the idea of putting a new bridge to the north of Bismarck and Mandan. And, you know, if, if we weren't going Should to we flying cars. we just put cars, a catapult on one side? <laughs> kind of with this catapult thing did. Just for, jump it. Yeah. Let's Duke of Hazards it. Evil can evil it. Hazards it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Congratulations. And then if you actually make it successfully, you get a little, little sticker to put on your car. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I, I jumped the Missouri River <laughs> with 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 the Bakken catapult. You know, sounds now, catastrophic. Yes, now you got me thinking. Okay, anyway, just just anyway. to wrap up though, because we yes. were thinking about Japan and and yep. why they didn't go down the EV road, yep. pun intended, um, specifically. And you were thinking because this was your other thinking point that we actually wrote a couple down, so we didn't get off track. Uh, because they were thinking about the flying vehicles or the autonomous side of things. Yes, that's what I was thinking, yeah. So <laughs> yes. the other thing with it, I'm just looking at all kinds of things about Japan right now. So density per square mile for people is 339. Per square mile. Per square mile. Wow. And there are actually rural parts of yeah of Japan, right? What's our, I wonder what our density per square mile is for U.S. I'm going to density... Per square, I should be able to type faster, right? Well, now we're in my now we're in my wheelhouse talking about density. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to need a bigger catapult. <laughs> so, the United States is ninety three. Wow! So four times as dense in Japan as we are in the United States. So again, I'm just throwing all this stuff together. They don't they don't have. Uh, as many people, of course, they're at 127 million to our 350, but it, much smaller country, much smaller country. But their their density is, you know, so they don't they don't have the ability again to to produce a lot of power and stuff. So they have to look at efficiencies. Autonomous vehicles are become more efficient for them too because you can you can take your autonomous vehicle down to work and your vehicle will go home, or it'll or go to work and pick up other people and. You know, so the vehicles that are going to be on the road when we have autonomous vehicles will be a lot less 
because they'll be more efficient in how they're used. Well, and, and look at the efficiencies in their transportation system. You take a look at the bullet trains and the, and the high-speed right. rail that they have, right. and which kind of because that they don't sit on the tracks unless they're, they're in the station. Yep. Yeah, they're elevated. Yep. So you take a look at some of that technology that Japan already has, and now you can fold that into other autonomous or other um, without saying flying, how do you say flying? Flying. Okay, flying. Uh, flying vehicles. Yeah. But you've got a lot of Airborne. different technologies that yeah. are out there that they're kind of ahead of. Well, I don't think they have a choice. No. When, when you have that kind of dense population, you have to figure out ways to become efficient. That's just how it is. And, and transportation is one of those main things. And, and I truly believe that you're going to, I mean, flying cars are going to be coming, you know, to fruition pretty fast here over the next four or five years now. Autonomous vehicles. I mean, there are vehicles now that have, uh, like valet. Are you familiar with the valet service in some cars? Mm-hmm. When you're, are you familiar with valet, Kevin? So, uh, well, <clears throat> I'm from the plains. So I think you're talking about the eastern part of the state. I see. No, oh, not valley. Yeah. Valet. Valet. Yes. Valet. Yes. Again. For you. Yes. Yeah. For my not folk, Comic relief. Valet. <laughs> but valet service, you know, in, in uh, a lot of our newer cars now means that when you're in a parking or like you're in a shopping mall and the car will, you'll go to the front door, the car will actually go pick it or drop itself off. And when you're ready to go, you can actually just summon it, some of it, summit, call it with your summon. phone. <laughs> summon. Thank you. With your phone and it'll come pick you up. You know, so it'll it's doing these type of things already, and the reason it can do that is because it's on private property. Sure. So as the government allows these uh, these type of services to become a reality on public roads, then you can send your car home, you can send your car to go get your kids, you can do all this kind of stuff moving forward. And what well, just thinking full full circle, it's a big circle now. Um, you know, one of the first conversations when you and I first met was about autonomous corridors yep. and what that does for shipping freight. Now, you talk about the end user uh, from rail and they'll say it's like they can take care of it all except for that last mile, right. the first mile, the last mile. And that's where a lot of the space for autonomous vehicles come in, because now you've got the opportunity to go ship that last piece of product. And that, to me, is where the game-changing opportunity lies. There's a lot. And what's cool about that space, Steve, is these cool vehicles that are emerging. You have these these pizza delivery cars now that are like a third of the size of regular cars that are going to be zipping around autonomously because all they have to do is deliver pizza, right? Or that farm-to-market where the farmer who's growing carrots out there can put them in a uh, a car that's refrigerated and send it around town, and you can pick your produce up in this refrigerated car. It's really cool stuff. Why? Well, and when you start looking at those autonomous corridors, then the opportunity to charge those vehicles in route. Yep, that's game changing yep. because you and I have talked about the ability to charge a roadway, which it's almost like that third rail back in the day. Thank you for listening to The Tech Ranch with the Guru of Geek, Marlo Anderson. This has been a Q1 Network production. 